Welcome, welcome, welcome to everybody's favorite cinema podcast, Looking California and Feeling Minnesota. My name is Michael McCaffrey. I'm the Looking California portion of the program. I am a writer and a film critic and acting coach in sunny Southern California. And I am joined by everybody's famous, favorite Minnesotan, Barry Anderson. Barry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm a director um, and uh and sometimes cinematographer, mostly a director here based in Minnesota. And uh, as we like to say, we love telling stories. And our job is to pick apart other people's failings and not so much their failings, but in what could have possibly made the movie better. And so we thought we would go after one of the pantheons of Hollywood. Maybe the most liked man in Hollywood made a movie. And we decided that we, you and I, should weigh in and whether or not it's any good, what we change and what makes us qualified to do so, Mike? Um, nothing. Uh, you want to tell the audience uh, what movie and who we're picking on today? Oh, dear. Yeah, today, uh, today, it's a big day today. So today we're talking about the Apple TV Plus movie, Finch, starring America's sweetheart, Tom Hanks. Uh, Finch is directed by uh, Miguel Sapochnik. It's written by Craig Luck and Ivor Powell. And it is streaming on Apple TV Plus, which, as we've talked about before, good luck finding and trying to navigate. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. Tom Hanks, who apparently has uh, quite a relationship with Apple TV Plus. He has that other movie, the, uh, the Submarine movie, which I, I can't remember the name of. Um, that's well, it wasn't sub, it wasn't submarine it was greyhound it was they were the the battle oh, greyhound right yes 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 sorry my apologies greyhound um so finch is a post-apocalyptic movie i i think would be fair to say and yeah. it's about um this guy finch weinberg who's a sort of an engineer handyman genius type of guy who is left to survive in the world after a solar flare has knocked out uh, all technology. And, and uh, this is years ago. And so Finch is trying to survive with little food and uh, staying away from any urban areas because there could be uh, nasty people there. Um, and he has a dog named Goodyear and he has created a robot um, named Jeff. And it's Tom Hanks, a robot and a dog going on a road trip. That's Finch. That's the story of Finch, everybody. Um, so yes, I'm, I'm going I'm to flip the script and I'm going to ask you what you think before I tell you what I think about the movie. Because okay. I am more curious what you think. All right. Fair enough. Um, so <laughs> this is kind of... Uh, this, this movie is kind of a combination of um, Wally, Castaway, and Turner and Hooch. It's, it's like they wow. said, hey, I got an idea. Yeah. Let's take these three movies and throw them together and see what happens. And this is what happens. Um, Tom Hanks, as a, an actor, of course, Tom Hanks is extremely successful. He's one of the great big movie stars of our era. Um, He's he's beloved in Hollywood. I found this movie to be pretty uh, trite and subpar, and it's not very well directed. Tom Hanks um, is Tom Hanks. He can carry a film, obviously, without question, and he does. Um, I find his performances in actually for all time, but in recent years in particular. He's very sticky. Uh, he's very performance oriented. And I find that grating because the moments when he's not, which are few and far between in his career, are absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, I, I often think about that scene in Captain Phillips at the end where, you know, Tom Hanks has spent two hours of that movie with maybe the worst uh boston slash new england accent ever captured on film he's notorious for being poor at that um but at the end of that movie he has a scene where he doesn't say anything and he's being examined by a nurse 
and he starts shaking uncontrollably. And it's absolutely riveting. And it's some of the, it may be the best acting he's ever done. And he's capable of that. And yet he chooses to go a different direction most of the time he, he's performing, which uh, is a style that, that, you know, is of his generation, but it's one that I don't particularly enjoy. So he carries this movie and he does a good job doing it. But boy, this movie is not very interesting, not very um, surprising, not very creative. Um, and if you want to get into the subtext of it, we can maybe do that a bit later. It's not very pleasant. Um, and so I had a lot of problems with this movie. <laughs> Barry Anderson, how much did you love this movie? <laughs> This is the greatest movie ever made. Um, so I'll give you some backstory. I'm a massive Tom Hanks fan. Yeah. And I wouldn't disagree with what you've said. Um, but Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks because he doesn't stray too far from his shtick. Um, That's true. And, it, yeah. and it's a likable shtick. Like there's other shticks yes. that I'm like, it gets grating. So as I said, I think Tom Hanks has been horribly squandered for most of his career. Because I think he, A, has unbelievable acting chops, but B, I think he is a comedic goldmine that has never really been tapped to its fullest potential. And so every time I see him, like, ah, oh, if he could just team up with someone that would just push him more in that direction and really dig in, I would love to see what happens. So I don't think there's enough entertaining movies that make you laugh and, you know, aren't awful to watch because as we've talked so often is the state of movies now are to the point where it, a lot of them are just train wrecks like just nothing works and speaking of this movie the directing is definitely not very good and yeah. i had to look it up immediately when it was done i'm like who directed this because who who gets tom hanks and i can't remember the guy's name but he basically directed a ton of games of thrones episodes yeah, he he grew to fame in creating, which I've still not seen any of Game of Thrones, but creating one of the great modern, you know, must watch TV things that did not translate to this movie in any way, shape or form. I thought the movie itself had some very uneven parts where you kind of almost have this subtle almost underplayed which i liked and then in the snap of a fingers tom hanks would be screaming and it'd be out of control and you're like whoa where, why did we go from zero to a hundred like nothing and i don't know if the studio came in with a heavy pair of scissors and kind of undermined what the director did or if the director because in tv it's a different beast in creating your tones where if you got a two-hour movie um and i also don't know what it's like when tom hanks is the star and the producer <laughs> and the relationship right. with Apple TV. Yeah. You know, yeah, you are in Game of Thrones, but it's still Tom Hanks. So I don't know how much Tom Hanks flexes his muscle and says yes or no, or right. if Tom Hanks wants to have a scene where he yells, Tom Hanks gets a scene where he yells, even right. though it's maybe not the best. Um, I think you need like a Robert Zemeckis to be able to stand up and be like, Tom, trust me. <laughs> and Tom will be like, okay, I'll trust you. Um, yeah. But that being said, I enjoyed the movie and I would recommend the movie and they had some of the, there's a few, there's one scene in particular that I think is so lovely and so funny and so simple. And it was surprising how they didn't go back to that well often enough in the movie. And I don't know if you remember when Tom Hanks gets off his little Winnebago and he tells the dog and the robot, to stay and he's going to go in and check for some stuff and the robot climbs in and starts pretending to be tom hanks driving and he accidentally puts it in neutral and drives forward and tom hanks comes out and then it looks like it's going to blow up into yelling and then it turns into like almost like this father toddler and they start talking did you did you <laughs> it's like no but it might have moved a little bit and it was just it was charming and it was like you started to develop like a relationship there between the two of them and i was like oh this is what the movie's going to be and then it didn't you know there was a few scenes like that but i was like oh that was the that was the the heart and soul of the whole piece and when they leaned into that i think it worked but when it turned more into like 
this arguments or like, you know, this paranoia and, you know, that stuff didn't work for me. And I know the spoiler alert, it, he kept going back to like, he created the robot to, you know, protect his dog because he knew that he was ill, which yeah. that can start to be it. But the fact that he kept going with that, like there'd be moments where you felt like he was connecting, like, oh, my creation is also something worthy. And then in the next scene, he would just diminish him. And like, like yeah. all what they built up went away. And that's where I felt like the directing, because you're kind of like, there should have been a moment when like, he should have been so angry and he could have had almost a similar speech to like, you know, I built you to protect him. And then like, it's almost like the robot was feeling bad, but then Tom looks at me, he's like, but maybe what I've created is more than that. Like, you know, like that realization of like, now Tom was almost sad that he couldn't save his dog, but now that he doesn't get to continue this journey and he's almost has to hand off the robot to his dog. And it could have been far more dynamic and powerful and, you know, gut-wrenching. And it's just like, they didn't go to those areas. They were there. It was fertile ground everywhere. And so I, I definitely think the directing was the weak, weak, weak part of the movie. But on the, on the flip side, I think there was enough scenes and it was enjoyable enough. But going into the way we normally critique movies, this is a movie that, let's say, let's call it a, you know, what, five out of 10, six out of 10. I mean, it could have easily been an eight or eight and a half. Like it had the chops there if it you dug it into did. it, but they, they just either didn't see them or ran away from them. Or it was like, they always say sometimes filmmaking, you start with the plan, but you kind of find it when you're in the moment. And I feel like this is one of those movies that if they're like, oh, it works on paper, but you're like, you're watching dailies, you're in there and you're like, no, no, this is the story. This is the arc that we need to take. And it needs to be about, you know, him kind of falling in love with this robot and realizing that like, almost like a parent would look at its young child and be like, I'm not going to get to see you grow up. And now I'm sad about that. Like I was sad about something else, but my, my growth is changing and it would have been super fascinating. And it would have been like, I don't know, like that's the part that makes me most frustrated, but I was able to put that away and go, I enjoyed watching it enough. And there was enough parts in there to make me laugh and cute. Um, even though it was uneven that I liked it, but boy, oh boy, when I think about what that movie could have been, I would love to take a swing at that sucker. Cause I'm like, man, there was some really good material there. Yeah, I mean, it feels to me that the the film is really structurally flawed. And what I mean by that is that, so the dog, for instance, um, I love dogs more than I love people, considerably <laughs> more. And uh, yet I felt no connection to the dog. And I felt like, what what the movie needed was to at the outset create more of a connection between hanks and the dog yep um so maybe you know hanks what you know he saves the dog for a little bit there um at the opening but maybe that the dog is just super affectionate with him and like uh you know he's maybe feeling sick and the dog is like cuddling with him or licking his face or whatever but they don't really have that connection and so the impetus to build a robot to protect the dog isn't really established um which it should have been that would have been a great thing so that you know hanks sort of creates his child this frankenstein yeah. you know he creates it and then hands off um the dog sort of when he can't take care of him anymore um, so I felt that was lacking. The other thing about it is just the the structure of the the road trip part. Well, the 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 impetus for the road trip seemed really weak. Like, yeah, it was just kind of like they're on a road trip, kind of for no reason. Like, it, like they didn't make that reason enough. And then at the end, when you felt like they could have, it was kind of like, eh, it's not really a big of a deal anyway. And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> What, what, right. what have we been invested that, in? That was so like the, the reason they decide to go on this road trip is because there are these big storms coming. Um, and then, which seems odd to me because 
why would you want to be out on the road when a storm hits yeah. in the bunker uh, where you're protected right. or out on the yeah. road in a rickety machine yeah and i get it They're, they need food and all that you know so i they have to move oh okay but then when they're on the road that's like all the dangers like oh a storm's coming again and it's like oh okay and then they sort of batten down the hatches and survive the storm and i'm like well the, then what's the point but then they're the sort of uh the goalposts change and it's to get to san francisco um and you know we are going to get into some spoilers here just to sort of describe it Too late. um yeah so they eventually through a variety of things their winnebago <laughs> or the em50 urban assault vehicle as i'd like to call it from stripes <laughs> um so the winnebago loses its solar power and yet somehow is still able to drive yep it's so weird it's a monumental event in the movie when it loses its solar power yep but then there was there's no, no yep. there's no consequences or repercussions from that and then for some reason, you know, the entire world has had the solar flare. Well, it's weird. San Francisco hasn't <laughs> for some apparent reason, which is yeah. never established. And what you're like, oh, okay. I don't understand. And I don't know if that's just, you know, metaphor that it's he's sort of in heaven or something like that. I don't know. But it's just really, I found those things sort of grating. I will agree with you that I think the movie is, um, it's fine. It's sort of soft entertainment. It's like yeah. something I could say to, you know, uh, my mother doesn't have Apple TV plus. And even if she did <laughs> like me, she wouldn't be able to find it 90% of the time. Um, but like, I would say, oh, you know, yeah, you can, you should watch this movie. Why not? It's Tom Hanks. Like it's got a dog in it. Like, yeah. yeah. Just watch the movie. Um, but it's weird what's what so that I you know there are there are logic issues within the film that as I just described are a problem what's really weird though is that when you scrape away all the surface stuff I think what maybe repelled me from embracing the movie is the subtext of it is pretty adamant about the fact that it's embracing automation and replacing humans, that humans are not worthy. Every person in the movie, there's Tom Hanks, and then there are other people who are unseen. People are menacing yeah. and are evil. And interestingly, there's a, a bit of a chase sequence. Um, the people chasing the... the uh, that chase sequence is so poorly done. Yeah. It is like they needed to watch any Steven Spielberg movie about creating tension and misdirection. Yeah. I was like, oh, something's going to happen. I'm like, wait, it's over? I'm like, why is something? What happened? <laughs> right. What happened? And of, course, and of course, it's a, it's a, you know, an American made muscle car that's chasing this, uh, you know, uh, solar Winnebago. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so that notion, I think, is really interesting for a Tom Hanks movie that generally people are tuning in to see, oh, Tom Hanks and a dog and a robot. This is going to be sort of gentle and nice. And when you scrape everything away, you sort of see that it's this very negative, very, um, very pro-automation, <laughs> you know, which, by the way, automation is coming and it's going to be a huge huge uh thing for the economy and for unemployment and for regular people to try and survive um but this feels more like yay that's coming <laughs> like that's that's wonderful the robots are taking over and it's like uh, i don't know guys uh so that's the subtext that i feel may be the reason why viewers will not connect emotionally with this story it's interesting. I, I can see where you would state that, but my, I, I feel like there's a, another generation coming up behind us that I hear it all the time. Now, let me just start by saying my rule on humanity is everyone is an idiot, including myself. And there's a small handful of people who attempt to not be idiots. And that's about the highest the peak gets. So well, I, I think I think I everyone is an idiot. The, uh, this podcast is proof of that. <laughs> that's I, true. I, 
I That's feel true. like you're really making that argument with this. Yeah. But with that being said, I don't I don't hold out a ton. I, I especially dis, distaste or despise humanity, but I can find redeeming qualities in individuals. But I feel like there's a generation behind us that almost has given up on humans as being valuable and that it's animals and other things. So as, as I didn't read into as much as automation as it is like, you know, well, the people are what make the world bad. If we could just get people out of there, then utopia happens. And so it was towing that line for me a little bit. Um, but it didn't it didn't sink its teeth in. So it didn't really feel like that was what it was trying to say. Uh, other than confirming my bias that, you know, if the end of the world happened and we were walking around, there'd be a lot of people in muscle cars chasing to hurt others and less people like Tom Hanks that were trying to make it better. Um, so that seems accurate to me. But again, like, you know, if you look at a movie like Book of Eli or you look at, you know, you know even something like I Am Legend, where there's there's something that the people are doing that is bigger than themselves. Yeah. Tom Hanks's bigger thing is to help his dog, you know, not be, but you're kind of like, is that a big enough reason? And then, like you said, they never really established what would have been really great, which I think would have been really interesting is if you would have set up early the bond between Tom Hanks and the dog. But then when Tom Hanks was having an episode, you saw the dog and like how alone the dog was going to be. And, like, yeah, yeah. and you're like, Oh my God, he can't die because this dog is going to be so he needs to build it but then what would be interesting is if you would have seen the slow switch between tom hanks like i think of that scene near the end when he's throwing the ball and he's trying to get the dog to bond with the robot yeah yeah mm -hmm. and what would have been interesting if you would have done that throughout the movie where he would have started always being frustrated with the dog being like you have to let him do that or you know it's like he's yelling at the thing he has the relationship with that he needs to do the you know bond or let the guy do or whatever the case was about the robot but then near the end you see this subtle switch when he's now talking to the robot being like you need to you know and you can see that he's fully embraced both and that it needs to be both people coming to the table but there was never that it, like almost from the beginning i'm going to do this for the dog but my relationship and growth and relationship is only in the robot. And there's not like a passing of the guard or like a, Hey, you don't have to love one kid more than the other. You can love them both. There was none of that in there, which I thought would have been great thematically and also performance wise could have really had an emotional impact on the audience, which they kind of left sitting there on unpicked fruit. Yeah. You know, it's true. I, I, um, yeah, so there was no real sense of the dog being in peril. Yeah, never. And other, no than, real... other than he would have been burned by the sun. That was the right. closest they got to it. Right, and then no real connection between Hanks and the dog. And so I, I it's funny, I was, um, you know, how, how, well, how do you build that connection or how do you show the dog in peril? Maybe in the opening sequence, the dog gets hurt or something. Yeah. And Tom has to heal it or whatever and it's like oh what are we going to do and i had an experience in my life i've as i said i'm i'm a dog lover I, I adore dogs um so a friend of mine who was this hollywood legend absolute amazing guy uh his name was bud weiser um <laughs> it, it was literally his name and uh, he was a writer in hollywood um worked for uh uh, National Geographic making documentaries and then was a writer with um uh, uh oh what's who's the guy who created Archie Bunker? Um oh um it's gonna drive me crazy. Oh uh, uh Nor is it Norman Shear? Norman Lear. Norman Lear. So he worked for Norman Lear and, and wrote a, for a bunch of Norman Lear shows, had this amazing career and I met him when I was out in LA and we became friends. Um uh my wife and I became friends with him and we took care of his dog. He had a bunch of, of dogs through the years. He would always get golden retrievers, uh, he and his wife. And we took care of their dogs. And one of their dogs was named Holly. And Holly was uh, on her last legs. 
And so they said, oh, can you, we have to go away. Can you watch Holly? And we're like, sure. So we went over to Bud's, you know, very, very hip 1980s um, <laughs> house in, in, uh, uh, in LA. And, um, and this was not in the 1980s. It's just funny because he was, he was much older than we were. Um, but he, so I took care of Holly. And Holly, at one point, they had this beautiful backyard. Holly slipped and fell down into their garden. And so I had to go down and pick Holly up, you know, a pretty big dog and carry her up um, the thing. And she's of course whimpering and I just want to make sure she's okay. And that's just like a visual, right? Yeah. Another thing is on that same stay, Holly was so sick, she wouldn't eat. And I know dogs and I'm like, oh, this is bad. You know, like, this is not a good thing. And I was literally lying on the floor with her, holding her in my lap again, a big dog, and I was feeding her out of my hand dog food so that she, she could get some nutrients in there. And again, just another visual that you could use in this movie. And I think about that and I think it's almost like Tom Hanks, I can't even remember Tom Hanks petting the dog in the movie, never mind having like lying in the same bed together. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, what are you doing? How? How can you not have this connection if that's the impetus for this story? And then you get into the robot thing, which, you know, it's a little cutesy. It's a little, you know, the voice is a little much. Um, but ultimately, you never get the sense that the robot is going to be able, like the robot can throw the tennis ball. Great. <laughs> like That's it. And I'm like, boy, there's so much you could have had in so, something so much more symbolic could have been there than throwing the tennis ball. It could be just as simple as having the robot sit next to the dog and pat its head. Well, think about this. If, you know, Tom Hanks keeps driving and then the dog comes up and sit next to him. And then as, you know, the robot starts doing some of the driving and the dog never sits by him. And then near the end, kind of subliminally the dog comes up and sit next to him and you just have the moment where the robot looks over right it's like right. oh it's happening it's happening yeah like like i so i said there's so much stuff that could have been put in there that just yeah. wasn't that you're like what are you doing you have pieces you know maybe it's never going to be a picasso but man oh man i thought it could have been a, like a really really good movie and it just turned out to be one that's entertaining that you can watch but nowhere near what it could have been and especially with tom hanks who is such a beloved figure that i, I mean, mean let's let's reflect that tom hanks arguably could have made wilson nominated for a best supporting actress right, role right in, like i'm legitimate like he made an inanimate object when that thing floated away you felt like you lost your parent yeah. or your child yeah. there's not many actors that can do that so this is a perfect thing that he could have projected on both the dog, which already gives you leg up than an inanimate object. Then yep. you have a robot that you're starting to kind of see the growth and the maturity of God. I like, I should have been weeping. Like I should have been crying at some point during yeah. this movie and it never happened. Totally. Never. Yeah. Happened. No, I mean, same with me. And, and you think about Tom Hanks, who is just, he's so beloved and, and he generates that sort of, sentimentality yes and it's almost like he didn't want to do that in this movie or the filmmaker the director was like oh i don't want to do that and you could have made uh, a, 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 an emotionally impactful if maybe manipulative movie in yes. that sense but at least it would have had something to hold on to as opposed to just being frankly ultimately totally forgettable for me like the you know like I said, it's something that I'd say, oh, you know, if, uh, you know, like with the holidays or something like that, if you're everybody's gathered around and you want a movie that everybody can sort of watch together, yeah. this would be it. Yep. But it's not going to be a movie that people are going to be thrilled. It's just like, OK, well, there's two hours of our life and that's moving on, you know, sort of thing. Well, I think um, I think you miss like the importance of finding a movie that can be watched by multi generations of people and be enjoyed and not being like awful those movies don't exist this movie should win an oscar for just filling that void especially now in modern times when family get togethers and politics can tear families apart yeah you yeah. just need something that people can watch 
enjoy enjoy spending time around each other and not have bad things happen. Tom Hanks is here to save Christmas for all of us. That is what this movie was put out for, and it's going to succeed. I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I, I don't know about that, but um, yeah, it's just it, it, it is frustrating because it is one of those things that you think like, oh wow, that really could have been something impressive, you yep. know. And it's funny this guy Sapochnik, who did a bunch of Game of Thrones, as you say. Um, you know, it it just occurred to me now. I I don't have the guy's name off the top of my head, so uh, I'll try and remember it. Um, but remember the movie from last year, the uh, very small sci-fi movie um, that both of us loved, set in the 1950s in New Mexico. Um, oh, the night of that movie, the vast of night, the vast, the vast of, it, of yeah. night. Andrew Patterson, director of The Best of Night. Now imagine this movie Ugh. directed by Andrew Patterson with Tom Hanks. Yeah. And the fact that Patterson was able to, in this small town with unknown actors, create genuine connection and intricacies uh, in the drama I that mean, go, are. Com- go, go back to what you called out. Just the fact of that girl running with her younger sister through exactly. the woods. Yeah. Like, he yeah. would have come up with a similar scene with the dog. I mean, put it this way. Tom Hanks could have another Academy Award had they switched directors. Like he could Without be- question. Without question. It, at least crazy. a nomination. Yeah. I mean, I- it, but without question, he, he, he could have. Without, it, yeah, I think so. Here's a question. I'm going to throw this out there. We, we didn't plan for this. So oh, gosh. maybe it won't work. It probably won't. I'd be interested to hear. Who I'd recast? Yeah, Don't tell me. No. Who. Okay. No, no, I wouldn't recast Tom Hanks. I don't. I don't really don't think he could. Um, Rita Wilson's going to call me immediately hear... if that happens. So don't, don't, don't do it. I'd be interested to hear um, your top Hanks movies. Your your list of top oh. Hanks, either movies or performances. Boy, that's a good question. Um, he's done a lot of them, so I gotta, I gotta pull up a list to make sure I don't. Re- yeah. I mean, well, you got to decide. Is it is it his best performance, or is it the movie I like the most? Well, which which would you prefer to do? Um, I'm going to start with his like the ones I like the most, and then I'll see if I can narrow yeah. it down from there. And sure. how many are we doing? Because he's done like just do whatever. Do your top three or five or something. Let me let me start at the bottom here real quick. Um, I mean, I grew up, I was a huge fan of Booze and Buddies because he was awesome on that show. So that shows yeah. you how, how big of a, yeah. a fan I am. Um, I think comedy-wise, some of his bits in the money pit are amongst the best. His face is just priceless. Um, a movie that shouldn't be liked, but it is, is big. There's something charming about that movie, even though it's super disturbing. Um, um, I honestly loved Toy Story 2. Like, I think I think his performance is good. I really liked his performance in Castaway. One of my favorite movies that he's done, even though it's not really considered a his movie, is Road to Perdition. He was charming in the terminal. I think an underrated movie of his is Charlie Wilson's War. Yeah. With Philip Seymour Hoffman in him. I mean, oof, good stuff. Um, like his later stuff, like Larry Crown, No Bueno. Um, Captain Phillips <laughs> was, you know, fine. Bridges Spies was fine, but not like Sully was fine. Uh, Greyhound was not good. News of the World was not good. Finch is good. God, this is kind of crazy looking at, he's done a bajillion movies, but how many are all-time classics? It's like, well, maybe there's not as many as I think. I mean, I'd have to say, I'd have to say Castaway. I'd have to say, um, I have to go back and rewatch Splash. I don't remember that one as well. I actually really liked, did you like Nothing in Common? Uh, with um, Jackie Gleason. Uh, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, it's fine. 
I haven't gone back and watched that. Like, I think I saw that like in my teen years and it was like, I love Jackie Gleason. I love Tom Hanks. And it was kind of like the first bit where you're seeing Tom Hanks as an adult actor. And I liked that, right. but I don't know if I went back now, if you're like, Oop. okay, well, that was a good stepping stone, but maybe not his best performance. Um, I actually really liked, he was uncredited. Did you ever see Radio Flyer? No, I never saw him. Um, he's got an uncredited role. It's not big enough to call out, but it was one of those ones where I'm like, oh, I can totally see why he made this movie. Um, I enjoyed League of Their Own, but you're right. Just a lot of his are, you know, their performance pieces. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I, you know, his first nomination was for Big, um, which was 1988. Yep. And I, I'm not exactly sure why, but I just never like that movie um sort of irritated me um you know he won for philadelphia and forrest gump um which you know in hindsight uh not great correct um yeah not not great i think the biggest triumph for forrest gump is number one that the story structure is so weird in that movie and the yes. fact that it worked just shows you his and Zemeckis's star power because that yeah. shouldn't work and then number two they maybe created the most vile female character in cinema history <laughs> in Jenny <laughs> like I, like everyone's like he loves Jenny. I'm like Jenny is a terrible human being <laughs> um yeah and it just showed you know you showed that so well, I did enjoy Apollo 13, but I thought many of the performances around him were better than his, but he didn't overact in it. You know, it's it's funny when you look at, at his career arc. So he had Bosom Buddies and then, you know, uh, Splash and Bachelor Party and The Money Pit. Um, very successful yes. comedies. And he was he's terrific in those movies for what he's doing. Um and then Big hits in 88 and he's sort of making the leap. And then Turner and Hooch, Joe versus the Volcano and the Bonfire of the Vanities. Just the bottom falls out. Now yep. there's a real chance that he does not recover from that. Correct. Um, that's, that's a rough stretch. But boom. Then he goes on maybe the greatest stretch of sort of movie star runs where he has a league of their own sleepless in seattle philadelphia forrest gump apollo 13 toy story saving private ryan you've got mail toy story 2 the green mile castaway and road to perdition catch me if you can that's crazy <laughs> that is a yeah. i mean crazy <laughs> now look i i'm not a huge fan of most of those movies but like that's a crazy run of movie stardom right there that we just don't that that type of movie stardom we don't have anymore I, i'm gonna make a controversial take one of my okay. favorite movies of his it's total fluff but there's something behind it that's a little bit more but do you can you stand you've got mail at all no yeah no i can't stand i, I have a whole problem with meg ryan which you know like we can talk about another time this, I, this, the whole this, sleepless in seattle you've got mail well stuff. i, I sleep in it. seattle i can't stand because people are overthinking it it's a move it's a romantic comedy where they never meet i don't want to watch a movie where they don't meet that's has right. no interest to me it's like the breakup i don't want to watch a movie about two people that don't end up together <laughs> you know 500 days of summer those movies i have no interest in but the scene with tom hanks and dave Chappelle when he's going on this blind date and Dave Chappelle goes to look, <laughs> tell him who he's going to meet. And he starts to be like, well, it kind of looks like so-and-so. And he's like, well, how much? He's like, because well, it is. That sequence, because Dave Chappelle was great in that movie. And then when he walks in, because you'd think like, you know, he's going to stand her up. But then he goes in, sits with her, but he puts on the other mask of like, you know, the arch enemy. But underneath, there's some feelings that are there there's almost nobody that can pull it off where you're not just like this guy is the biggest a-hole ever to walk the face of earth 
and he can walk <laughs> back from that. And that alone is just a marvel to behold. Like that is like one of those times where like they say that nobody else could have played the role. Nobody else could have played that role because you yeah. would have hated the person. He would have come off like a total dweeb. And there's just so many things in you got mail that that's one of those movies I'll watch anytime it's on. Uh, Cause there's just subtle things that I love, but I know that on a whole, it's definitely not a great movie, but it boy, oh boy, is it enjoyable. Yeah. You know, and the movies that I, of his, that I like are movies that he's. So for instance, catch me if you can is a movie. I really enjoy. I like that um, movie a lot. Yeah. I, I really enjoy it. He's pretty terrible. in. Um, I, that, he's got yeah. The, he, he's probably the worst part of the movie. I, <laughs> yeah. Like Without Leo's question, good. I really, really like um, uh, Christopher Walken in that movie. He's it's so good. Tremendous. Man. Yeah. Um, Amy Adams is great. Man. Um, yeah. So, you know, and that's a Leo movie uh, yeah. as, as much as it, 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 it. And that's really sort of the, the passing off <laughs> to Leo uh, being the, the big man on campus. Because that movie is a Spielberg film, but it's more a Leo film than it yeah. is a Spielberg film. And Tom Hanks is in it, and that accent again, he's trying to do this Boston yeah, accent, which is just doesn't work. abysmal. I also really liked Road to Perdition. Um, uh, it's a flawed movie. I, I sort of wish Sam Mendes didn't direct it. Uh, I wish someone else did. But I do actually really like the movie, and it's the only time... Um, I'm not even sure Hanks is the right guy for the role. Um, but it, 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 it's an interesting movie, and I, I like those two movies, which were back-to-back. Cast Away, to me, was flawed. Um, Saving Private Ryan, you know, obviously it, it's a Spielberg thing. I think Hanks in it is sort of, again, miscast. He's, he's about 20 years too old to be playing that role. Um, but it's a movie that's, you know, impressive. Of course, the opening stuff is, is quite impressive, but then it sort of falls into John Ford rehashing territory. Um, but after that, there's not a lot for me. And I've never seen the Toy Story movie, so, you know, I have to throw that out there. I remember going to see the Lady Killers in the theater and walking out, and I, I, I looked like I just had a colonoscopy. I was like, what was that? Oh, my God, that's a terrible movie. Um, Polar Express is like a, a two-hour nightmare. I don't understand. Yeah, it's bad. Charlie Wilson's War is definitely, again, it's it's a flawed film. But um, Philip Seymour Hoffman's tremendous in that film, and that's another one that I, that I enjoy. You um, know, his performance is very small in the movie, but extremely loud and incredibly close. For the scenes he was in, was pretty yeah. interesting seeing him opposite Sandra Bullock um let's see so captain phillips bridge of spies sully to me they're all real sort of second tier movies you know they're they're not much saving mr banks where he plays walt disney you know you're just sort of like okay and it feels like oh the post another spielbergian uh misfire um so it's interesting like hanks is this thing but he doesn't seem to be this thing anymore and and I, it's interesting because it definitely feels like the bloom is off the rose, um, but he's still going, you know, so good for him. He keeps, he keeps doing it and he's playing Colonel Tom Parker in an Elvis movie, which will be, seems like poor casting to me, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I find him enjoyable, albeit flawed, but he's one that I wish, even though he works with great directors, I wish, you know, I wish he was with some directors that, I mean, can you imagine him in a Fincher movie? What would come out of that? Right, right. Like, it would be really interesting. I don't know if Tom Hanks would enjoy it. Right. <laughs> he probably would. I mean, but that's the problem with, when actors become so successful that they're this brand that they they wield so much power because they're the star and they're the producer. And, you know, it's like the Tom Hanks thing. Tom Hanks likes working when he was coming up and was really at the peak. He was working with all of the directors a great actor would want to work yes, with. But right. then when he got to this spot of just being unconscionably enormous, he's this own solar system. He works with guys he can just manhandle. 
you know um ron howard what <laughs> oh dear <laughs> oh god poor old ron howard oh golly gee yeah so it, hanks is an interesting guy as a as someone who teaches acting to people um he's sort of i mean you can't really his performance shtick approach it doesn't translate um you know and look there are different acting styles that people go for and if if you're an individual talent like that you should go for it but um you know to me it's not a, a style that i'm impressed with uh it's not something that moves me very much and um it always feels oddly enough for someone who's considered an everyman he comes across to me as uh actually quite arrogant on screen which is weird maybe that's just me projecting yeah, I something i don't yeah, know i think that might be i don't i don't feel that as much i mean i i could see some of the some of his stuff's a little bit sticky or a little bit over the top um but I think he's at his best when he doesn't completely let go of his comedy bits, when he can bring those back, but he can let go of some of the, okay, I'm going to do the Tom Hanks thing now. Like when there's a, when there's a blend of those two, there's like a special sauce that works. Um, yeah. But I'm, he's, he's one of those people that I'll, I'll keep shelling out my bucks to see him because, you know, more often than not, it's something enjoyable or interesting, but rarely does it get to the point of like, this is the movie that I want if I'm stranding on a desert island and I get to pick three movies, none of his raised to the level of like, I'm going to pick one of those. Right. So just to recap, um, Barry's favorite Tom Hanks films are, uh, let's go through the list. So here we are. Mon so Man uh, with One saving, Red Shoe. <laughs> saving Mr. Banks. Yes. Um, Inferno. Yes. Another one. Larry Crown, I know is oh. one of your favorites. Hashtag uh, Hanks. Yeah. <laughs> Angels and Demons. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, uh, that yeah, that previous stretch that you that said, stuff, this is the inverse. And what's funny oh. is he probably made more money on that stretch that you just read than any other stretch. So, you know, go figure. And he's, boy, he's made a lot of money. Yeah, he um, has. But really that stretch in the, in the mid to, to uh, mid 90s through to the early 2000s. Whew, yeah, that, that was just unbelievable crushing Just it. churning out massive hit after massive hit and getting obviously two oscars in the process and and just dominating the the cultural space it's it's an impressive thing um all right so let's go back to uh to good old finch uh any final thoughts on finch there barry which which you liked you you recommend to people yeah i would um i would tell okay. i would tell people who want kind of a a mindless kind of enjoyable thing that isn't painful to watch and if you got family members together for thanksgiving or christmas you know it's kind of a any age can kind of watch it and it's not offensive and it's not going to create any sort of uh waves um, so if you're looking for a cinematic masterpiece, then you're going to pick it apart a lot. But if you're just looking for two hours of a few laughs and being somewhat entertained, uh, this one is absolutely a, uh, a must watch. Okay. Now here's one quick thing I'll say what would have made the movie much more interesting to me is when, uh, the quote unquote bad guys in the American muscle car are chasing them. If when Tom Hanks and the robot and the dog are hiding, if somebody gets out of that car and is looking around and you see them, they have no lines, but you see their face. What if that were Mel Gibson as Mad Max? How, how, how great would that have been? Then you get crossover appeal. And Dude, see honestly, what I'm if they would have done that, the internet would have broken. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been broken. so awesome man <laughs> that you know gibson with his big beard now and just yeah. looking maniacal and anti-semitic or whatever the hell he's doing uh that would have been great well, uh, I, yeah so it, my feeling go ahead and tell us go, your thought and then i got a melody oh, i was just gonna say my feeling on finch is um you know what it's real soft sort of entertainment i didn't like the movie very much it was very forgettable because you're an angry if, soul that's why oh, i am I'm, I'm an angry bitter person yeah. but you know what if this holiday the family's you're, you're, like a and... B, you're a b star at best what don't listen <laughs> oh, to me. no i'm not a beast i'm just a b <laughs> level person 
Oh, okay. I'm not even a star. Just I'm a B level Roger Ebert is what okay. I am. Um, which I'm ex- again, I'm excited about being on the B level. Um, yeah. So you know, if this Christmas you're hanging around. You got family around, or Thanksgiving you're you got family around. You want something that may that won't offend everybody, um, and you can get through without people getting angry uh, or fighting. Then go for Finch, man. What the hell? I mean, it's pretty forgettable, but it's not going to hurt your feelings. <laughs> oh, I, and I wonder if that blurb will be on the poster. Yeah, I think Finch. I think they're going to definitely put that on there. Uh, <laughs> the, the final sign off for uh, Mel Gibson, it was just announced that uh, per the request of uh, the late, great Richard Donner and blessed by uh, his wife, Mel Gibson will be directing Lethal Weapon 5. Oh, oh boy. Wow. So well, hey, for man. a future I podcast, mean, there, there's there's the seeds. Jeez. I yep. mean, he's he, he's been super successful directing. It's pretty crazy. You when watch you look at Ridge? Oh, I saw oh, it's a terrible film. I, I wrote Abs- one of the most brutal reviews of Vaxar <laughs> Ridge. People were this one guy was absolutely infuriated with me. It was hysterical. That movie is abysmal, but it, it got nominated for a ton of Academy yeah, Awards, no, I got know, nominated I know. for Best Picture. And yeah. you look at Passion of the Christ. Dude made half a billion dollars alone on that. That, movie. that to me was a risk. Like he took a risk and he won with that one. I feel like Hacksaw Ridge, he maybe had one of the greatest stories of oh, the yeah. 20th yeah. century. question. And yeah. he literally just flushed it down the toilet. Like, literally, oh, totally. like the story was so good. It got awards because the story was that good, but not by any thanks to anything that he did for oh, it. That was rough. It was yeah. rough. And I, I like lethal weapon. Like I've, I don't even know how many I've seen, but like, I definitely just checked out of lethal weapon after the second one. I was just like, uh, all right, thanks guys. <laughs> I got, I, I get it. I've seen the movie. The first one's very good. Yeah. Um, you know, for what it is, you know, an eighties action movie, but I was like, jeez, man. Like, no, when it gets to Chris getting... rocks and he talks about the frog getting oh. run over by the bike, it's, it's, uh, yeah. It's only way can go from there is up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only thing I got saying for him is it can't Rough be worse stuff, than the last one. Hey, hey, hey. Uh, all right, everybody. So rush out and see it. Finch. Yeah. Download <laughs> Apple Plus and the six hours. Yeah, uh, and God help you. It's, it, if you think Tom Hanks's journey through post-apocalyptic America to <laughs> San Francisco is difficult, good luck <laughs> trying to navigate how to find Apple TV Plus and then find this movie on there. So God bless everybody. Enjoy Finch if you feel like it. If not, I'm not going to judge you. Uh, and I think that's it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time.